0: guys this is episode 38 we have a special guest on today it is jacob Campaniero. right on that's pretty close nailed it it. yeah (laughs) i would say my italian accent but i don't want to embarrass myself you're an italian in you what you're italian yeah my dad was born in italy oh i'm a first generation canadian even though i get my grandparents (laughs)
1: were born in canada that makes me so canadian
0: yeah you're very canadian i'm very canadian yeah we're getting sidetracked here Okay. (laughs) <laughs> Anyways, he's a sales rep, but he does commercial, so it's a little bit different than what Brooke and I was talking about, which is res. We're going to get into a few things like investing, private lending, and everything like that. Jacob, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, guys. 100%.
1: Why don't we get started with the commercial market and how that's performing yeah. right now? Because I, I know that when we talk about the residential market, the commercial market can be very different at times.
2: Yeah. Well, it's it's different driving factors, right, Yeah, and between the two markets. Um something we we educate our clients on, is the fact that the commercial market is mostly driven on income, right? It's almost like a business. You're buying an ap- apartment building, let's say, mm-hmm. it's like a business. It's going to cover itself. It's going to cover expenses. It's going to give you a bit of cash flow, mm-hmm. and that's what everything is um, driven from is that mm-hmm. cash flow, right? And with interest rates going up and where we are today, yeah. um, it has different effects on the commercial world. So. Just to dive into it where are we today well as I'm sure your listeners know interest rates are up yep. um, we are seeing the bond rate come down which is interesting so with commercial um, the rates are driven by bonds okay All right so it runs a little bit differently
1: is it because most of them take fixed rates yeah and yep. Be, but you can have a variable rate on a commercial mortgage
2: you can um, Right now, most deals are getting done with CMHC financing, okay. which is driven right off the bond rate. Now, it is a fixed rate. Yeah. So, basically, it floats up until the day you close, more or less. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it locks in at that point. Oh. Ah,
1: interesting. Right? So,
2: you can, yes. there, for a fee, there are some lenders that will uh, fix your rate, yeah. right? So, you can say, okay, a couple months before, let's lock it in. But right now in the market where things are trending, like, honestly, a month ago, a CMHC, which is a, it, we'll go into that yeah, if yeah. if you want. Yeah, to. definitely go into a, that. A CMHC commercial mortgage. Your your interest rate was four point seven five five yeah. percent. Um, it's now today all the way down to. We're just doing a deal right now. We just got locked in at three point eight percent. Wow, so, so just we're down a, quite a bit.
1: Yeah, comment on that because people would be like, well, how are they getting that rate when the overnight rate is five percent? Well, the bond yield is attached to the fixed rates. I had this mm-hmm. conversation yesterday. So yeah. wherever the bond yield is trading at, um, typically that the fixed rate would be a little bit yeah. above that. And then since it's CMHC, that means it's an insured mortgage, correct? Which means they can offer a little bit lower of a rate because the mortgage yeah. is backed by by like quite insurance. A, quite a
2: bit lower of a rate, right? Yeah. So yeah,
0: like um, even when you have even on the residential side, just for our listeners, if you have an insured rate, you're putting less than twenty percent down but your rate is actually gonna be lower than if you had 20%, which people can't wrap their heads I around know. sometimes. Even when I first heard that, I was like, what the Me hell, do, what are you talking about? Like, yes. you're putting more money down. However, you're a better candidate.
1: I don't agree with that. We are getting a little sidetracked here, but I just want to comment. So if you are buying a house for 700,000 and you're thinking, okay, well, I have a rate at you know 0.5% less if I don't put 140 down, which would be 20%, or I have to pay a higher rate, but put 20% down. Yeah. Um, because your mortgage is going to be a higher amount, but a lesser rate, you're mortgaging a higher amount. So it's going to it's, kind it's of risk. Yeah, out. Yeah, yeah.
0: You're paying insurance on it. So you're paying a premium that doesn't go to your principal.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would always put down 20% if you can on residential. Now, Jacob, For sure. might, Jacob might say completely different than what yeah, I say right different. now. I, yeah, because I've heard least. him talk about it.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. so just going back to let's, let's focus on apartment buildings right yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. Let's, that's yeah. the topic of the day or the topic yeah. of this, this conversation. Um, so again, what? because the market is a little uncertain, um, and I'm sure anybody that's looking in commercial investing right now, they're scratching their heads, nothing's cash flowing, nothing's making sense, um, you almost have to go with that CMHC mortgage. And so what I'm talking about when I say CMHC mortgage is it's an insured mortgage, but it's through the commercial channel. So it's done a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Um, a CMHC commercial mortgage, what the benefits are is the rate is lower, as you mentioned, but you're also going to get a longer amortization, like what on your mortgage? Well, it can go up to depending on the program you're using. You can get amortizations all the way up to 50 years mm. with commercial.
1: Ooh. The, <laughs> now that's
2: the that's the max, yeah. right? Uh, but what we're seeing right now is anywhere between 35 and 45 years. Mm-hmm. So it's quite a bit longer than a RES mortgage. Right. And um, if you can imagine, that's helping dramatically on your monthly payments. Uh, huge. Right? You're
1: um, almost on top doubling of doubling it.
2: It's going to reduce your down payment as well Um, so with commercial it's that fine balance between where do i cash flow where's my cash on cash return Mm -hmm. and how little can i put down that's always the battle we have right Mm -hmm. and trying to fine-tune each building into that that perfect solution Um, so a lot of investors you know I'm gonna to speak to my clients because everybody's got yeah. their own thing, but you're looking for something like a five, six percent cash on cash return on the purchase, which means
1: okay. so that's the cap cap rate.
2: No, cash on cash. So it's how much money am I putting in and oh, how much I money am yeah. I getting yeah. out? It's yeah, the yeah, return yeah. on your got actual yeah. cash. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so we're looking for about five, six percent on a purchase. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's somebody yelling at their at their TV screen or their computer <laughs> screen right now, going, I need 10. And I yeah. get it, right? Everybody's different. But I'm saying for a typical Burlington, Oakville, Mississauga purchase, we're looking usually for around uh, 5% to 6% cash-on-cash cash return, and we want to maximize that loan to value. Uh, so a little bit different than the 20% down. Yeah,
1: mm. and it's so interesting because when I help clients buy residential, we're thinking about future value too, whereas commercial is so different where it doesn't just appreciate like a residential does unless you overturn it, right? Yeah. So that's, I hear you because Jacob actually, we work in the out of the same office. Yeah. So I hear him on the phone, here he's on the phone. So I learned just listening to his conversations. So you overturn the rents in the building and that's how you, revalue the building that's how you force appreciation yeah so
2: everything's going to be driven off of income like i mentioned previous uh so there is passive appreciation but it's not the same as residential right residential markets and you correct me um but i find it's it's driven off of obviously supply and demand Mm -hmm. like that's the way i kind of look at it being a commercial guy i'm always like supply and demand with commercial yes there is supply and demand but you can only pay so much for something that's not making the money Right, True. you can have somebody. Sure, they can come out and buy cash, and they'll right. ca- they'll they'll have cash flow like crazy. But n- nobody's doing that.
0: Right. Commercial right. is driven off investment. It's not driven off. Correct. Let me live here and raise my There's family. No and, yeah. yeah. Let,
2: let me put. Let me put it. the white. Is that
1: white what kitchen. you tra- from residential to commercial? Yeah. <laughs> well, so
2: I've been in real estate for what seven years now. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Um, so the first year of real estate, I was in residential. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was a big issue for me. I'm a numbers guy. Like, I love numbers <laughs> yeah. and my big thing was always appraising residential real estate mm-hmm. to this day I still can't wrap my head around it sometimes because mm-hmm. I go in there I'm like okay you got three sales in the neighborhood this this and this and then yeah. you go sit down with the seller and they go but I got interlock <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> but I got an in-ground pool okay yeah. it's how hard... much is interlock worth yeah. Do you guys know I don't know yeah, it's a hard conversation <laughs> to have
0: because people will be like well I put 100 grand in the backyard so will that the return doesn't mean that like just because you put 100 yeah. grand doesn't mean it's going to add 100 grand it's to your not dollar price. per dollar no it's not dollar. it's all subjective it's what will a buyer be and willing it's to pay all
1: dependent on the market because in if you had a renovated right before the COVID peak and put that money in, you probably would have saw more that like if you put 50 grand in your house you probably would have seen a 150 yeah Return right now you put 50k in your house
0: don't, do it. Get 50 yeah. don't do it <laughs> yeah don't do it yeah like should i get the whole yeah. house no. redone no like go paint it on the weekend yourself if you can make it happen that's probably the best yeah. way you're gonna see a return yeah. change yeah. some light fixtures yeah. like very small things yeah. Yeah. but yeah like someone's like should i renovate a bathroom i'm like i don't i can't guarantee i'm gonna get that return back for you so no i wouldn't yeah that's um, yeah i that wanted to yeah.
1: ask you the question because there are people that reach out to us um and say they want to invest because a lot of what we talk about is investments but i like you know cap at the triplexes i don't even do a lot of triplexes it's mainly the duplexes mm-hmm. and then nice and then anything above five becomes a commercial mortgage so yep. this would be if you guys came through us we would likely connect you with jacob um and
2: that depends on the bank i do want to say that
1: yeah okay
2: um, so there are certain banks that will allow five units as residential
1: mm. um
2: six is usually that number where like six is the hard
1: yeah yeah the hard
2: yeah and the even central. then there's some banks that might squeak it by as a six as residential it's rare but five yeah, is yeah. kind of 50 50 huh. um, so I just wanted to mention that because I know again there's I'm sure okay. there's somebody in the comments right now yeah going.
1: yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah everyone loves to correct <laughs> I, you know. Me. I know it's hilarious so as a if you had a client that was looking at a five clock, so this would be like a small a very small rise mm building um and then they had the option to take commercial financing or residential finance like 100 commercial financing sounds like it would be much better
2: that's the way i would lean yeah, yeah. um and and that's why the fiveplex is kind of a weird mm-hmm. market um because you could have i remember and i don't do much five plexes because i actually recommend people go to the commercial like go yeah. to six yeah. go to eight yeah if you're going to do five let's do eight right right and we'll figure out a way to make those those extra units you know we'll yeah. work it through uh simply because the economy of scale. Right. Now you got eight units paying rent, one roof, one boiler. Right. Right. If one tenant leaves, you'll be okay. Yeah. We've built yeah, that yeah, into yeah. our numbers. I hear you. Um, and that's why I love commercial and multi doors. Yeah. Um, whereas a duplex, one tenant leaves, that's fifty percent of your income. Totally. Right. Now we're lucky that being in southwestern Ontario, GTA, leasing's quite Easy. you know, popular, right? It doesn't yeah. sit vacant for, for months yeah. and months. Now, if we think of retail or office or any of those asset classes, which I'm sure we'll get into, yeah. um, it's a little bit different mm-hmm. right now. We're talking potentially six months of vacancy, a year of vacancy, depending on the market and the asset class that we're talking about.
1: Yeah. Cause commercial has so many, even when I'm looking just for something so basic of like a, <sighs> this lady wanted to do like a hair salon space and I'm like, I can't. I don't even know how to look because there's mm-hmm. warehouse, there's retail, there's yep. it's, there's a lot to know into commercial. Fun. It's.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Let's pivot though. Let's pivot to office and retail. Okay. So I know you don't specialize there, but I think yeah. it, it'd be good to talk about because I'm seeing guys, I watch this podcast called the All In Podcast. There's these, they're the billionaires of like Silicon Valley, but they just talk openly about the commercial real estate market there and how people would buy stuff 10 years ago. Yep. And today it's worth like 50% of what they bought it 10 years ago. And like, they can't even get people in the space because people are building teams right now and tech always has good margins. So they're building teams across the country or in other countries because, and and they're saying we're never going to get everyone together. It just doesn't make sense because of
2: economies of scale. California's actually got a really big issue with that. Yeah. Specifically LA, Silicon Valley, Mm -hmm. um, that area.
1: Right, because with the new like the tech world now, yep. you don't need to be in the same office. You can essentially remote work from anywhere. And there's, since COVID, I'm sure that there's that's...
2: a whole bunch of different reasons. Like I even know recently read an article about Walmart's closing down because of theft, like internal what? theft. Yeah, like there's just
1: internal. Oh, internal yeah, here too.
2: Like here too, but no um, anyway, California does have a big issue huh. with 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 office and retail. Um, uh, moving that to Canada and to Toronto, um we're not that much different right now. Uh, yeah. A very.
0: Even the overhead, point. right? Like why? Like if you can cut your overhead by 10% by getting rid of this, I just made that number up, but by getting rid of an office building, right? And then everyone's working from home, they're paying their own internet bill, whatever it might be. Yep. Uh, like, why would you not do it? And I understand like the culture yep. and you need culture, but I think that depends on certain businesses. Like someone doing an expre- Excel spreadsheet doesn't need culture. Am am I wrong in saying that? It's like you don't really need like what
1: culture. Yeah,
0: like am I gonna spend forty million dollars yeah. on a building for, you know, yeah. John to yeah. r- run an Excel spreadsheet, or can he just do that from the comfort of his own home? So, so. what
2: we saw was and this this all started um in, in COVID time, let's call that right. a, a thing, right? So yeah, um that's a whole nother podcast. But mm. the so everybody went to the work from home model. Um we were expecting this, we were watching the trends over the last three, four years, where everyone went to work from home, right? And all these office leases started to come up. No one was renewing. Nobody needed to renew. They were all working from home. They saw that there was overhead benefits, right? It wasn't as expensive to have people there. Um, What's interesting, though, is we are seeing a resurgence of office. Um, We're finding a lot of companies are coming back into office space and doing a hot desk model, which essentially is um, anybody can come work at the desk. Right? Yeah. And or anybody can use that office. So it's a shared office space within the corporation or within the company. Mm-hmm. Um, Makes so sense. A w- so smaller square footage. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So what we're seeing right now is the 10,000 square foot office holders have now left 10,000 square feet and they're going to 2,500. Wow. Like or 3,000 square feet. Right. And so there's a big demand right now in city centers as well as outside the city, which I'll talk about in a minute, but um, for. Smaller space, and I'm sure you'll see a lot of co-working things pop up Mm -hmm. um, all over the place. I keep seeing them. Every corner has like a co-working office now because of the demand. Um, What we've also seen, which is really interesting, is a a big demand in secondary and tertiary market office. Okay. So for the GTA people, Burlington, Oakville, big office market right now. Huh. Like we, I have a number of clients there and we're leasing, no issue. Interesting. Um, Who are you leasing to? Well, so that's exactly it. It's the same companies that were in Toronto, downtown. But now they're saying, all of my employees are coming from Hamilton, Burlington, Oakland, Everyone's commuting. Let's just go. So why don't we find somewhere that's going to be, A, half the price,
0: Um. B,
2: uh, there's more parking, it's more convenient, and my employees are going to be happier. Because
0: they don't have to drive. They don't have to drive into the 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 downtown core. Even though if
2: they're coming from North Mississauga to South Oakville, maybe it's the same kilometer difference or the kilometer drive, but it's half the time in the commute, right? right? No traffic, nothing like that. So we're seeing a big demand for that. Um, and a big emphasis on employee drive times and employee satisfaction. Cause they're trying to get their guys back to office because they're missing the culture. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. It's, yeah. I, it's it comes to I, it. My
0: quick stint in the corporate world was four month a four month internship. And the worst part about it. And I did Excel spreadsheets. The worst part about mini <laughs> culture, know. <laughs> I am Johnny. I was the Johnny example. Yeah. But the worst part about it was the drive, like driving yeah. for an hour yeah. to sit at a computer and then drive back. Because basically, what I did was I, you know, being the nerd I am, um, I would run Excel, Excel spreadsheets on cafeterias, and I would see yeah. basically what food would hit and what would lose and it was for high schools and universities mm-hmm.
1: that's cool i didn't know you did that
0: yeah so i'd run all these different no uh,
1: wonder you're so like into the performance
0: <laughs> and all that you love that stuff.
2: yeah it's pretty fun it's in so Where your were blood? you when my cafeteria went to like healthy food <laughs> 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 went from pizza to like
0: <laughs> <laughs> vegetables <laughs>
2: vegetables yeah yeah
0: so the kids don't want vegetables like yeah. it's like imagine <laughs> uh but anyways I, the worst part about it and why i hated it so much was that I would work eight hours, but really I was working 10 because I'd have right. to drive every right. day. Like if I had an extra two hours of my day, I would have been way happier. And yeah. then I just said, I can't do this. Like I hate this.
1: I would not last. This, uh, yeah, so how long did I last?
2: You? Yeah. Oh, three days. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> that? <laughs> yeah. Just you sitting in an office. Well, and that's it. It's hard to build culture when your employees are already coming in pissed off. Oh yeah. First thing in the morning. Yeah. Like talk about a morale killer for yeah. the office. Yeah. Right. And so that's where we're seeing the markets really come back in. Now, something we're messing around with right now is office to residential conversions.
1: That's what I was going to ask you. So that's yeah. a
2: big space that you don't hear much about right now. I think it's going to become bigger and bigger. I think so too. Um,
1: think about all the buildings that are in Toronto, that if they're leaving those behind and getting a smaller space, like the towers and towers yeah. of just offices.
2: Yeah. And it's already, most of the Toronto office buildings have res above.
1: Right. right, or have maybe to be not a the mass...
2: core A class downtown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. look, the TD building, the people yeah, yeah, yeah. building, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're always going to be full. That's yeah. a A class downtown building, right? Yeah. But look the at the stuff district. in the in the in the districts around that. Right, right. the ones that
1: have the residential units above them. No. Yeah. Is that a major thing to go through in terms of the zoning in that's, the city? That's the catch, in the, right.
2: Okay. Yeah, is is the expense of it? That's too. always the catch. Yeah, it's we the, talk it's about the that biggest right. catch right now. Always so the, the city needs to, and I and I do believe they're going to go that way, is start easing up on the converting of zonings for they're going to need they to. have to right. Mm. There's so much. So I met with a guy the other a couple weeks ago now who's doing it in Windsor. He's actually converting office space in Windsor, and he's making like money hand over fist right now. No way. Um,
0: does he say it's hard? Like the plumbing. I'm just in my head. I'm just thinking yeah. like you know, say you have a two bedroom, uh, condo, you're going to need plumbing for, that's the biggest thing. Yeah. Like the cost is also is the cost. The margins make sense. Like you already have the frame, but now I need
2: to redo all the internal parts of it. That's the big challenge with, with Toronto is that the cost to actually buy the building and convert doesn't make sense. Right. Right. So Uh. one of two things have to happen. Either the timeline has to become shorter, which means zoning and, and all of that has to become quicker. Um, Prices have to come down for office, which yeah. in, in certain areas, we are going to see that slowly decline. price right?
1: yeah. out an office, let's say in Toronto? Because I know that when we're pricing out buildings, let's say in Hamilton, it's based on what the rents, like the income approach yep. of what the building is making. So if you were to sell um, an office space in Toronto, is that less based on it? Obviously, there's no income because it's an office space. Is yep. that more based on the actual structure, location, just kind of like residential?
2: Yeah. Well, you're going to look at a couple different things per square foot. Oh yeah. It's kind of the go-to, right? So if you're selling selling industrial or vacant industrial, vacant um, office, you're going to look at a per square foot sale price. Mm -hmm. Based on comparables like you do like. It's just direct comparison approach, right? So um, you leave the income out of it Mm -hmm. now with office, because every day they're like the prices are coming down for office. So you have to watch that and see what happens. Um, But I do think in, uh, markets surrounding GTA, Mississauga, Burlington, Hamilton, Oshawa, Scarborough, go that way too. There is gonna be immense opportunity for office conversion.
1: Interesting here that, as guys.
2: As the vacancy increases, we're we got huge vacancy rate right now.
1: And would you get a so it's a commercial space, so a commercial mortgage, but it'd mm-hmm. be different, right? Because there's no income. So the bank's not looking at
2: So that. Yeah. So we'd structure it as almost like a construction mortgage. Right. A construction. So construction mortgage, right? So you're mortgage. coming in. Okay. Yeah. You're going to talk to the bank and say, this is what we're doing. We're buying it for X. Here's our build-out plan. We're going to do, we're going to take this 10,000 square foot office building and convert it into 20 units, Mm. right? Um,
1: And then what do they use to verify that?
2: They'll look at the end value and say, okay, on complete, you'll get an appraisal and the appraisal will basically be, okay, what's the value today? Right. What's the value on complete?
1: And then you'll refinance it on complete. Correct. And then it'll be.
2: If you put your numbers right you should be able to refinance it as a residential apartment building right and use cmhc financing
1: and pull all your money out
2: and get like 95 percent loan to value
1: and then now it's a residential now you have no money in it
2: <sighs> now you have no money in so it
1: sick. okay so when you're first going to buy the place though to get that construction like i'm sure that's tons and tons of money to convert
2: mm-hmm.
1: how do they verify like i get i get that they see the end value and they say okay there's opportunity for me as mr banker to mm-hmm. make money here but Joe blow couldn't just go and be like hey i want to do this yep. so what's the process of being a qualified person to get yeah one of those loans so
2: track record net worth uh management experience are kind of the, so
1: interesting so it's kind of like an interview
2: more or less right huh. so if you go through cmhc for this process they are going to ask for net worth so what is the net worth of the person so the rule of thumb for CMHC mortgages with net worth you need 20% of the loan amount you need to have a net worth
1: okay so let's say yeah. I wanted to do something like that okay so I have three properties um so they would look at the current mortgage on my properties and what it's worth Yep. they wouldn't obviously take they would minus the mortgage amount because that's debt Correct. So they would take they would add up all the house's equity portions mm-hmm. of what I own and if that was 20% of what i need
2: the loan amount the yep. loan amount that's
1: then that's okay but then i don't have any previous experience what would i correct. do if i was so you, new to this
2: so you would go out and you'd find a contractor yeah that does have the experience mm, it's right? so a partner and so it doesn't even need to be a partner you can hire them yeah right but she's gonna know like gonna look at them and say okay yeah this is a qualified contractor in terms they of doing the, the
1: actual work experience actual work. converting Okay. Correct. So now I have Mr. Contractor yep. and I have twenty percent of the I loan mean, amount. Yep. Now
2: And now they're gonna say, okay, what does what is Brooks experience with managing <laughs> a 20 unit multi-fam building okay. on complete?
1: So what if I have our property manager that we use? Hey, I actually have a property manager I use for the rest of my residential, which are only duplexes. Yep. He's gonna be perfect. the one managing and he has experience with Chris perfect. Per se.
2: Done. Sick. Right. So that's how we're doing it with clients, right? So okay. we can have clients with 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 I wouldn't say no experience. This mm-hmm. is quite a, there's a lot of risk in doing this venture. Right. Like there's the zoning process, the time, the, the carry cost. So I'd say this is something, let's let's call it for a more intermediate mm-hmm. investor who yeah. owns a few buildings, has the experience, has done some renos, um, but we can build the right team for that person to go in and right. do
1: these things. Right? That's so simple so, for our listeners because people are like, I want to do this, I want to do this, but have no idea how to get started. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. So it's, and it's, the bank's, smart right like the bank is going right. to do their due diligence they're not going to lend on something that doesn't make sense so but you have seems to prove so to so
1: smart because yeah. if the bank is lending you so i have 20 percent of the loan amount in my houses i don't even have to pull it here you go i'm showing you that i own stuff mm-hmm. now give me a loan to do what i want to do mm-hmm. now you're funding the project and then at the end your money is now making me money yep. and i didn't do anything
2: yeah now there's going to be a down payment <laughs> for purchasing Well,
1: down, and there's going to the be down capital, payment.
2: there is capital cost. Right. So I don't want it to make it sound like okay. it's, it's I'm, I'm not saying it's all make, yeah, like,
1: yeah. obviously that you're going to have to have skin in the game. Yeah. You, like yeah. of course you need a down payment, but it does seem like almost fun when you're like doing it that way. It's like, yeah. yeah. So it's creative. It's, it's,
2: like, and again, anybody who works with me will know, like the first thing I talk about is the team. The team you is so right important. Yeah. Whether that's your accountant, your mortgage broker and your realtor, Yep. or it's the, the contractor, the yeah, commercial yeah. broker, the capital partner, uh-huh. right? Find the team and then we're going to And gonna
1: you go. have the team based on what a client's desire would be and you would help build that.
2: Yeah, so that's what and that's what we've done from from day 1 and and what's built made my business successful, Interesting. right? is is we we started with our graduating to commercial program. So I did this for the first like 3-4 years of when I got into commercial and it was taking duplex, triplex buyers, bringing them to mm. six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10. Right. Um, and we've just added to that. So we still have to, we still run that program. We still work with a lot of first time multifam buyers or mixed yeah, use yeah. buyers, but the guys that now own five, six, seven buildings, they're coming to me and saying, okay, Jake, what's the next thing? Like, yeah. how do we, I need more, right? I need more, right? I, I want more I want and
1: six plaques. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be like doing. jacob <laughs> yeah he's a
2: stone so i'll toe. get you the team yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> and, and this is the this goes for the same thing like moving away from office for a second even if you were to buy a vacant multifamily building or a semi-vacant multifamily building this that's actually this better program, than
1: if it was tenanted no
2: um the
1: <laughs> like low rent low rent tenanted
2: yeah low rent tenanted now we got to be we got to watch out for you know we we live in ontario we have yeah. We have rent control. We can't evict tenants yeah. easily, right? Yeah. So there's that whole conversation here, um, and that's something we do have with our clients as well, right? Um, we never recommend going in and booting a building out, doing cash for keys. Like that's not something that we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna suggest you do. I don't think it's a viable strategy for investment, mm-hmm. right? I agree. Um, number one, because well, that's where people live, right? Right, especially be- if
1: they're paying five hundred bucks a month, like.
2: Yeah. So it's and it's oh, tough awesome. because yeah, like 500 bucks a month, that directly affects the value of your building. Right? So think of it this way, if we're buying in a market at a 4% cap rate and you can get that tenant from 500 to 700, take the $200 and apply it to a 4% cap rate.
1: And market like, rent 1700.
2: Exactly, right? But just huh. like every $25, every 25,000 you earn or $25 on your building, excuse me it's exponential when you're applying it to a 4% cap rate or a 5% cap rate. Huh.
1: Um,
2: and then so eventually,
1: if you're able to eventually get them out and then market rent becomes 1700 think about the yeah. difference in value. Yeah. Six units paying 500 bucks compared to six units, people paying 2000 and that building's going to go from, it's going to increase millions, million, yeah. literally millions. millions.
2: And it can happen overnight. That's the <laughs> that's really so cool. cool part about yeah, commercial, right? right? So you, can, it, you don't have to wait for the market to catch up. You mm-hmm. can literally go in there and be like, okay, sick we got a vacant building or we got a semi-vacant building let's reno 50 percent of the units that are already vacant mm-hmm. for this example yeah. um we're going to increase rents from thousand yeah. to two thousand now we have
1: huh uh, and then you refinance and take a payday there you
2: go right so <laughs> it's I love it cool. Music it's <laughs> yeah and, and it's just and again the challenge is always going to be you know, how occupied is the building? Right. What's the scenario? How I have
1: one other thing to comment. Sorry, I'll let you chime in.
2: Like no, no, no. Right.
1: Um, so, so Jacob and I have a mutual client because they do, um, my team does a lot of leasing for them after mm-hmm. Jacob sells the building. So then my team goes out and actually finds residential tenants. So our mutual client right now, they own a building that is like very run down. Um, and tenants have been there for however many years, paying 500 bucks a month. Yeah. So now our contractors are also mutual contractors. there, yep. renovating it. And now what I'm seeing, which was an interesting thing is, They were like, no, we don't want to make them like crazy beautiful because if the contractor went in and made them crazy beautiful – yes, you'll get higher rents, which then pushes up the value of the building, but the renovation itself isn't gonna push up the value of the building like it would in residential. So if you do all this crazy behind the scenes work and you put in a million bucks in reno, you're only making that money back if that reno does get you that much higher in rent. So doing the like minor renos to attract a good tenant based on it looking nice is what you wanna do. But these crazy renos you'd see in residential to push the value up, doing that in commercial isn't gonna push the value of the building up
2: spot on so so interesting so it's, it, and, and that's all about knowing your market right Right. so doing crazy reno's in in the right neighborhood of downtown toronto very well could get you extra rent yes right doing it in hamilton, hamilton example, uh, yeah where <laughs> your max rent on a one bedroom is going to be 17 yep. 50 and that's like high end yeah right and so that's in suite laundry dishwasher mm-hmm. kitchen two bed one bed whatever yep. right um but yeah, you don't need to go super high-end. The, the, the fine line is just enough reno to get you market rent. Right. And don't go over that budget.
1: Because then you think, okay, I have this beautiful building, but it's still only valued at what the income it's making. Correct. Huh. it's it's, yeah. it's so interesting
2: yeah it is interesting.
0: yeah yeah that's cool? Yeah, cool okay yeah.
1: so if we have somebody reach out to us which very well could happen because I already have people talking about multi-residential mm-hmm. what would be okay I own a duplex but I want to get into the commercial world I don't know where to start um would you start them with a six unit something small and just
2: so it would all depend on their goals mm-hmm. and and so I when when I do intakes I just ask the W's, who, what, where, when, why, <laughs> how, right? Honestly, it's that simple. Like we just go through what it is, right? And we always start with, okay, what is the goal? What is the objective of you investing?
1: Okay, so I want to make Brooke, cash flow. Right?
2: Yeah. yeah, so you want cash flow, great. Yeah,
1: I have this amount for a down payment and I'm done with residential. Um,
2: I want... Why are you done with residential?
1: I want more cash flow and I want to refinance it at, at the end take out all my money quicker cool.
2: okay so in that case for somebody like that i would i would say it depends on how much capital we have to put down right because the thing is running a six unit and running a 10 unit they're gonna run the same way
1: mm-hmm.
2: right it's not like going from single family to triplex or duplex mm-hmm. right it's a very small increment of difference. And mm-hmm. it depends, are we hiring a property manager? Right. Is Brooke cutting the grass that I'm gonna see out there on Saturday, water <laughs> really you know, watering the driveway? Like, so, funny. <laughs> so it's, it, No. <laughs> yeah. And so those are the things I like to ask, right? Yeah. And it's also, um, you know, we get, for example, I'll get a client that comes in the door. Okay, I'm a doctor. Mm-hmm. I have two kids, one and two years old. Yeah. Um, I don't have a husband in the picture. Right. And it's like single mom thing. And then we're sitting there and she's like, I want to manage and operate my own building. And I'm like, no, <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to let you. Um, like, listen, yeah. if you really want to go for it. But in those scenarios, we say, let's not look at a burr strategy. Let's not look at the add value. Right. Let's look at something a little bit more turnkey, meaning stabilized. Maybe it's already renoed, yeah. but there's good cash flow. Yeah. And, we're going to go with a cmhc mortgage cuz they have a good net worth being a doctor. Yeah. Um so we can get you that cash flow without doing a ton of work. Now, someone who's really go-getter, right? Part-time job, maybe yeah. works at an office, doesn't, you know, 9 to 5, has weekends free, then yeah, let's let's go look at that value add. Um that could be a 6 or a 10. Um you know, I think things start to change when you get into 20, 30, 40 units mm-hmm. because you have to run it more corporately, let's call it, right? You really need your your ducks in a row. Um we'll get property management at that point.
0: Do
1: you want to buy a building with me? I'm serious.
0: <laughs> we can talk about the software. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I don't think our listeners yeah. want to hear about that. Once we do buy a building, yes I'd like to do that. Yeah. Uh know. we could uh we could go over the numbers on air.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's once you get the math done up front. Yeah. I'm a math guy. Um, I knew. You know, the banks, like I said before, the bank is smart. The bank's going to do your due diligence for you. Yep. So what I like with, with commercial is if the bank gives you the mortgage, they've done the due diligence, hmm. right? I'm not saying don't do due diligence, but if you're getting the mortgage.
1: Hilarious.
2: Like they've done it. The bank's not lending. Yeah. yeah. Cause
1: you <laughs> get you get the mortgage like sick. It yeah. works.
2: <laughs> yeah. With res, it's like, okay, yeah, I yeah. got the appraisal. Great. Yeah. I'll pay a little bit extra if I don't uh, get the appraisal right. and yeah. uh, still get the mortgage. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But with commercial, they're not looking at Brooke. Yeah. They're looking at the building. So right. they're putting their money down for the building itself. Huh. And so that's why they're making sure that that business, that building is going to return them their money. Interesting.
1: Is there any buildings? That, so we work a lot in Halton mm-hmm. and well, you, you actually have a broader market than I would even say I do, but is there anything that you see right now as like, I want to have a client for that because I'd like it.
2: Yeah. There's a couple things, right? Okay. So there so, are, um, there's some stuff in London, Ontario that I'm
1: okay.
2: quite attracted to at the moment. There's
1: what about Hamilton?
2: Um, I like Hamilton challenge with Hamilton right now is Hamilton has a big um, tenants right movement mm-hmm. happening right now <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, and so I'm not saying that's a bad thing but you have to be careful because there are people who are like I want to go in I want to do cash for keys turn the building over put new tenants in the building and we I do it right Hamilton, away and I and I caution against it right now I'm saying hey take like take it easy mm-hmm. um we know enough people that are having, you know, picketers outside their house right now because oh, they're trying wow. to turn units. So Jacob's
1: just, very good at slowing people down, which obviously yeah. you you earn people's trust doing that. But I've heard Jacob yeah. say like, "just just wait." I know you want to buy now. Just I, know. I was I was
2: talking to somebody about this wait. yesterday. I was like, "I think I say no more." than yeah, I I. like I'm however, the worst realtor. However, out however. There. That's what I always yeah. say about myself yeah. too.
1: Yeah. And
0: that's how you earn people's
1: trust because it's like. <laughs> Genuinely yeah. want your clients to yeah. do well, yeah. rather than just sell them. I was the like, rim. ah, it's
0: a busy street. You, gotta, you know, yeah. it's it's 11 a.m. now, but like imagine at 5 p.m. and they're oh, like, yeah. we didn't even think about that. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, I'm the worst sale like sales agent ever. <laughs> you
2: <laughs> know what? I'm sure that client's gonna be with 100 in the long the run. You years, win. Years, yeah, right? the long or run, you win. 20 years, whatever. Yeah. So you're yeah.
1: looking out for their best interest. So I've heard Jacob say, no, we will wait. Just yeah. chill. Yeah. Okay, let's
0: let's <laughs> pivot here. I got some economic okay, questions. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Canada just saw 424,000 Canadian citizens leave. And what Canada's doing is they're masking a problem. You have Canadians leaving, and you're immigrating people. Yeah. So you work with people who are investors, and investors go where the best money is for the mm-hmm. most part. What do you see in the market with your investor clients? Like, are they still bullish on Canada? Yeah. Are they going elsewhere? Um, and I guess, are you bullish on Canada? It's a great line of questioning. I like that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> even
1: the way you delivered it.
2: Yeah, no, that's fantastic. <laughs> um, so, let's, so let's, let's, let's work, let's work yeah. that and unpack it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so first, first off, um, I agree with you. So I, you know, there is a big, a lot of investors and I'm not going to talk about, you know, people leaving Canada residency wise, but I'll just talk investors wise. Yes. So even a lot of my clients have come to me and say, Jake, do you have anybody in the in the US that I can talk to? Because we're looking at investing in the States or in Europe or in the islands. Um, because Canada's not working right now. The rent control is not great. Um, you know, there's there's
0: the people in power aren't great. The, the
2: government's yeah. not working for us, whatever it may be, right? Um, so I agree with you fully on that. The what we're seeing in the market right now is there still is a a big demand for multifamily with investors however um they're being very selective on what they buy and what's interesting with the market right now is it's giving opportunity to investors to start uh, having creative deal structure right so over the last few years the market's been so crazy as i'm sure everybody knows um there was no deal structures anymore it was just like how much can you pay yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Give me my check and I'll I'll sell you the building. And I think that in combination with 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 all the other reasons people were leaving the country aggressively to go invest elsewhere. Um, I started to see people come back investment-wise into Canada because of that creative deal structure now, right? Okay. Long term, I believe in Canada. I believe in Ontario. I think it's a a great appreciating market. And in the next ten years, we're going to be in an even better spot, and that might be because of great leadership, or it might be because
1: an even better spot for who? investing for inve- invest the, the people investing, for or it. if you buy now, having been invested,
2: <laughs> both, okay. both, because uh, I I truly believe like we we have a housing problem, and it's not getting better, right? Yeah, no. and this is why people are leaving, but it's also why investments here are going to start making even more sense, like my crystal ball, you ask me, I think in within three years, housing prices are going to skyrocket. And it's going to be almost unattainable, right if we want to go down that road, but um, there's a unique opportunity here. Now, what I've been telling my investors to do is diversify your portfolio. I always believe in diversifying, right? I have no issue with my investors going to You the US. have
1: the most diverse portfolio. I like
2: a diverse portfolio, right? So I'm telling my guys, go to the States. Go buy something in the U.S. Go buy something in the islands. But when you analyze stuff in the U.S. and when you analyze stuff elsewhere, you do your numbers a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. There's not much put on appreciation.
1: Well, there's right? so many more people. There's so many, so much more infrastructure. So like Canada being huge with this much right density, density <laughs> right. Yeah. so yeah.
2: so where where am i what do i believe right now in the market is um i do think people need to diversify right if you have the money and you have the the vision to do so i would say go look at buying some stuff in the states but let's keep a few or buy a few in ontario right now as well um and i think that's the path forward right now um but yeah deal making deal making in ontario right now is is fun like, there's some yeah. pretty cool stuff happening.
1: So, in on that topic, um, deal-making, mm-hmm. other than you being a very successful commercial broker, you also have your hand in a couple other things. Yep. One being private lending. I know you own campground or something mm-hmm. crazy yeah. you do airbnb at your cottage like he, <laughs> jacob, jacob lives Jake, in a, in a
0: jacob, tent actually jacob, <laughs> actually like he'll yeah.
1: we'll be in the office and he'll like tell me about something and it'll be like one day it'll be like i'm going to the campground and i run a campground and i'm airbnbing with this cottage and i want to sell my house in burlington oh i just bought a building in burlington and <laughs>
2: yeah yeah
1: okay so tell us about your private lending sector that you have going on because yeah. i know a lot of clients actually go to you for that reason
2: yeah and yeah. I just, just before we jump into that, I do want to make sure, Cortez, did I answer the question for you? Yeah, yeah. We got, I think, okay. I think
0: you're, you're bullish on Canada because of our population growth, but also you think yeah. that leadership's going to change and better things are coming. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. If we stayed under the current leadership, I guess, would you be bullish on Canada? Ooh. <laughs> That's Ooh. a good one. <laughs> I'd be more,
2: I'd, I'd be more cautious, yeah. right? <laughs> but I, listen, I, and I had I'm this conversation with somebody the other day. Sorry, Brooke. I know we're going to jump onto your question oh, yeah, in two no, minutes, no, no, yeah. but I had... Cause I had a, a client of mine come into the office. Who's like, I'm done with Canada. Don't send me anything. I'm full into the States. Like I don't even want to talk about Canada. Yeah. And understandable. And understandable. That and he, was, and he growing. was explaining yeah. his reasons and why and this and that. And at the end of the day, I'm still Canadian. I grew up, I'm born and raised in Burlington. Good Canadian I, boy. I, That's what I, I like to I, say. I believe in the market here. I do think things will turn around. Um, and the, I, I do think it's supply and demand. We don't have the housing more people are going to need a rent. Things are going to become more expensive and being a multi-fam building owner for a, let's call it middle-class person, right? Like a middle-class uh, profile, I should say, um, of renters is the best investment I think you can do right now. Cool. Right. Cause that's yeah. going to become a, a, a big sector of renters. Yeah. No, it's right? good. If they can't buy. So, okay. Now onto Brooks, Brooks, um, question. Yes. Um, What was the question?
1: (laughs) So I, again, I've learned a lot from just listening to you um, next door. Yeah. So not only do you have conversations with clients that are buying commercial properties, but you have this private lending sector of your business where if somebody has, you know, a hundred grand, they're like, I don't know what to do with it. And there's nothing really that you can suggest in terms of buying a commercial property. Sometimes we turn it into a smaller res. We'll take care of that together. or we. You switch them to private lending, so giving yeah. that 100k to you, you invest it for them.
2: Uh, no, so they don't give the money to me. Okay, okay. so I'm not licensed. I'm not licensed to, to do to do anything. Okay. So you no,
0: said- ja- Jacob is running a Ponzi scheme. No. Yeah,
2: no, no money comes into my pocket whatsoever. Okay. Uh, again, I, I'm going to just bring this back to a more holistic investing approach, and that's what I like to, you know, the culture of my team and the culture of what I do. Is what I is what I believe in. It's holistic investing, right? Which it that doesn't have to modern. be just real estate, yeah. right? Again, I'm a terrible realtor. I tell <laughs> my clients not even to buy real estate, um, but I, I. It's all about the diversification of of, of your portfolio. Um, I never like all the eggs in one basket. So we can look at the passive or private lending side. I also look at stuff like REITs, right? Which is a real estate investment trust. Um, so this is a investment vehicle where the REIT will will own assets, will own apartment buildings, gas stations, whatever it may be. And the public can invest in that company and own shares or units of that company, which are going to pay. Um, How do
1: you get it to be a publicly traded stock right away?
2: Yeah. So it's not publicly traded at first. Yeah. Usually what happens, it's a private REIT. Yeah. Right. So there are public REITs. Um, for example, the biggest one would be um, um, Starlight. Okay, Reed, so, how right. do you
1: get it from private to public? Because I'm sure it's way better once it's public,
2: yeah. so that's that has to do with with the company itself with the reIT itself and 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 if they want to go public with their with their stocks and shares, right? So when they're ready to go public, they're going to. Um, and
1: it's just a matter of you deciding
2: it's the on the company, right? so what what I like to do is, okay, so if you want to get into a private REIT that might be going public, well, I'm sure you're going to get a boost in your shares once it does go public. So that's something to look into. yeah, right? you want
0: you want to get on the private floor first,
2: yeah, yeah right. So, so these guys get rich. Yeah, and so with, with coming into a private REIT, there's a lot of benefits. Usually the returns are higher because it is private. They can do that. It's not as um, uh, spread out. Who's right? the one
1: deciding what to buy with everybody's money? So,
2: so it would be the trustees of the REIT, and then they would have direction from the board of directors. So every REIT's going to have a board. The board has to vote yes or no, which is made up of... Um, and
1: just like a stock, there's risk that if that asset that you purchase doesn't yeah. work out, you could...
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so, but for something like you look at, again... Ontario, Canada, GTA, it's pretty safe to invest in a REIT that's buying in the, in the yeah. Toronto area, the GTA area for multifamily. Um, and, That'd and each of these REITs have different, different return structures, right? Yeah. So some are, are going to give you monthly passive income yeah. with growth of your units, right? So you can get uh, your, of, ret- so
1: then after a certain amount of years, you yeah, have just equity,
2: just like, just like, REIT. um, stocks, right? You can sell it, uh, T- take it away. You go with a go dividend your and thing.
1: Yep. value in your actual
2: exactly portfolio. exactly. So, so these are things that I can talk to clients about as well. To say, hey, you know, maybe we buy one building, but then we use a little bit to go do something else. Um, great example. I had a client come to me um, earlier last year. Hey, you know, he said, "Hey, Jake, I just sold my building. I'm sitting on three million bucks. Mm-hmm. What do I do with it?"
1: Right. Did he sell it with you?
2: Um, actually, he came to me after. I, I this was a brand new client. Oh, was he it? called me off of realtor.ca on one of my listings and yeah. we ended up building a really good relationship quickly. And, nice. and, you know, cause
1: you're so smart. <laughs> yeah. No, I had,
2: we just, we had a couple good lunches and we talked about investing and what he wants yeah, to yeah. do. And, and what he said to me, which was really nice to hear. He's like, Jake, like nobody's sat down with me and asked why I'm investing. What do I want to do? They just always BWs. say, well, here's a building, 3 million bucks. Yeah. Here's a yeah. building, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, going to take yeah. 3 million bucks to buy. I'm going right? to make 60 grand. Oh yeah. And that's it. So, We so I took my approach, which was, you know, slow down to speed up. We met. What do you want to do? Why do you want to do it? What are you looking for? So his goal was I want ten thousand dollars a month in my account every month. How does that happen? I don't care. Just find me a way to make that happen. Okay, great. Right. Plus I want to be able to give my children something. Yeah. When I, you know, either pass on or whatever it is. And so with that guy in particular, I said, listen, I go, why don't we spend a million five on a building? Right, So we ended up getting him a really nice building. Um, I think it was like 50 units or something. 50. So it was, a, it was a good building. We got a great CMHC mortgage. It was 95% loan to value. Back. So he put his million, million five, I think maybe it was 2 million at the end of the day. But I told him, I said, let's do a million five in a building. Let's do a million um, into a REIT. So it's a bit more secure. Yeah. Right. And whatever's left over after you buy that building, we're going to put into like high interest, passive lending yeah. approaches and we went through the broker channels and everything to do the all to all back. of that. But yeah, so now he's got his 10,000 a month plus yeah. Yeah. and his 50 unit building. And in three years, two years, we're going to hop back on a phone call or I talk to him regu- regularly, but Thanks. we're going to, we're going to refinance and or sell that building in the near future. Um, pull another three, four 5 million out of it and do it all over again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to build him, some generational wealth with short term money as well. Very
0: good.
1: Very Yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. Very, yeah. Good. very good.
1: Wow. That's so interesting. Yeah, I so. like the idea of REITs. That is on my 2024 goals. Okay. Of what I want to do this year. I wrote down it was very, very intricate and specific because <laughs> your goals have to be specific. Uh and you're I even mentioned your name. Okay. Learn more about REITs. Feels and like these, <laughs> yeah, literally on my 2024 vision board, yep. your name is mentioned when uh, you talk about REITs And that's like something that I want to obviously yeah. go towards because like i love real estate i love what i do but it gets like redundant and stuff and it's like i can only talk about duplexes so many times like i want yeah. the diversification of being able to help people in other creative ways that maybe some realtors wouldn't know of and I, a lot of people wouldn't it's, know how to speak like you do it's, it's another
2: of, it's another tool in your belt 100 percent. right if a client is everything's negative cash flow in the market yeah. well why don't we Buy something negative cash flow with half of your money, and invest the other half. And there's yeah. your there's your cash flow. So right. That's a, the most know.
1: interesting thing is that when some people use HELOCs to buy, let's say they want to do residential, they buy a duplex. It's five hundred k negative five hundred k dollars negative per month. But you got a great purchase price, so I don't even really worry about the five hundred negative. But if you're worried about that, then you use a hundred k more of your HELOC money because usually your HELOC money could pay for your down payment, and you'll have a little bit left over. Use that with private. Private lending. So you're using a little bit more of your HELOC, but that private lending is going to cover that use of the hundred K plus a chunk of that negative five hundred. Now you're utilizing need a calculator.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now you're you are utilizing-
1: we have done it in our ProFormers. We have this section in our ProFormers that we could obviously run, but sometimes utilizing more of your HELOC. So taking more debt out, but then using yeah. it in two different spots can mitigate some of the negative cash flow, but at least now you've gotten a great purchase price. On
2: good, good debt versus bad debt, right? Yeah. And and yeah, and looking at your, your investment as a portfolio rather than just one or two individual buildings, right? Yeah. A little bit of positive here, offsets a little bit of negative there. Yeah. Overall, what is my return on my five duplexes or my two buildings or whatever it may be? Mm-hmm. Um, that's the top down kind How of education. How do you calculate
1: your net worth?
2: How do you calculate net worth?
1: like if you're if you somebody has like yep. four houses or something and then this mortgage on each and then obviously a business income like yep versus salary
2: so well we have a
1: let's call it a commission income like let's do sure it.
2: yeah so my our team we've built a net worth like calculator. Oh, um, it's an, it's an cool. Excel spreadsheet. It's like, it's, it's not that cool. <laughs> it's really, there's nothing sexy about it. It's very, <laughs> very boring. Um, but it's just to help us. Cause again, that's something that we're going to talk to our clients about. Like, I'm not a broker. I'm not a mortgage broker. I, you know, I ask for net worth cause I want to understand my client on a deeper level and understand, let's go back to the holistic thing, right? I want to holistically understand where the best investment is for this client. Um, so we do get all of our, all of our new clients to fill out a net worth statement, um, that is going to go to the mortgage broker when that when that time comes but it's something good to do so um i go top down i look at it i say okay first things first cash in the bank right what do we have cash in the bank account and that can be your corporations and your personal then i'm going to go to like gold silver um investments things like that um
1: aside from real estate
2: aside no we're not on real estate yet this is just like
1: like stock investments stock
2: investments like actual gold like do you have a gold bar in your closet right like
1: what about like what about like uh watches and purses yeah
2: yeah right oh, yeah, so,
1: we were talking we were talking I love about this your art, stuff. art. your that's, art i was gonna jump really? to you that yeah to have, like such nice piece of art yeah. because it actually attributes to your yeah. net, net worth my Holic- goal is to have
2: like 500k in hilarious art, art, right? yeah that's what i'm that's um,
1: so yeah. which
2: is which is crazy and 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 i was i was watching something the other day what was it, it was like a youtube thing on like a like a multi multi-million dollar home in Florida or something and the realtor that was walking through it was like yeah that you know I know the house is 100 million dollars or something she but she was like but the person that's going to be buying this home like the art they're hanging on the wall is going to be 50 million <laughs> so what is a hundred million dollar house when you have art where you know like yeah. she and I thought of that I went oh that's cool <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's, so really
2: that's, that's, that's cool. where anyways but yeah, yeah so huh. so holdings yep anything valuable holdings um vehicles right so how much what is your vehicle worth? How much debt do you have on the vehicle? Right? So it's all income versus debt. Just like the way would look at a building, right? What are the utilities? What are the income of the building? And so we're doing the same thing for your personal net worth. Um, we go all the way down to then real estate, right? What is the equity of that real estate? We're only going to look at equity. Um, and then, is he, are you in a partnership, right? So is it 50-50? So is it 50% of the equity yours or is it 100%? Um, and then, Credit card debt, lines of credit, things like that, right? Um but uh
1: so then you would add up equity on every real estate yep. plus assets like gold and yep. art and yep. stuff, plus money in the bank.
2: Yep, pretty much. So that's your network. So that's more or less, yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure I'm missing fifty different things right now. But um just right now, yeah, that's more or less it's gonna be your your assets and your okay, life. But what
1: about what about your income? Don't you add that as well?
2: Well, so income's gonna be Looked at a little bit differently. Um, income for the mortgage broker, yes, they're going to look at that as part of it. Um, for our purpose, I just want to know what you're holding currently, okay? Right, um, and so for CMHC, it's going to be your income and all of your assets as well versus liabilities.
1: So your income per year added to your stuff. Yeah. So one year of income plus your stuff equals. Well, unless
2: power. you're unless you're self employed, like yeah. like us, yeah. all of us, right? And, and then it's at, and yeah. then you're going to look at a two year. A two year average.
1: Okay. Of net. net. Or yeah. Yeah, obviously.
2: Yeah. yeah. Very, yeah. very good. Yeah. So yeah. And so we that's something we go through and, and, and look at and and again when the time's right, the mortgage broker's gonna need that to to review all of that anyways. Um so investments and then like mortgage investments and things like that, it depends who you talk to. Mm-hmm. I put them down because like really if I did need to like get that money out. There is, I can within a reasonable time period. Um, what do you, what do you usually do, Cortez? I know uh, the terms that I go. Like when you're doing a net worth statement, oh, okay. Um, do you consider your your private lending, your passive lending, as as how do you track that in your it net definitely worth? does?
1: <laughs> Cortez loves his passive income. Yeah,
2: uh, no, I do. Well, we were I've, talking I've for heard... an hour before before yeah. we started the show, and we honestly. Instead of talking about a topic for the show, we started up talking about lending and, <laughs> and, and stuff.
0: But. Yeah, no, for sure. I think it I think I think that is income in in my opinion, yeah. right? Like I don't own the houses yeah. that I private lend on. Are you so attached
1: to the title?
0: Yeah. It, but it's only if they default. So right. If they but default, like then. They
1: are you in second position?
0: Depends on the deal. Yeah. But if they default, yeah, then then me and the other investors in, so could in you the
1: force pool. Te- force a sale? Yeah. Because if you're in second position, you could
0: of um, course I could force a sale. That's the, or the whole, buy it. The I, wouldn't, I wouldn't do it if I if there was no hard asset behind it. Then I would never do this. But it, because the last thing that people are going to default on is their home. They're going to get rid of everything else. They're going to call mom and dad for a loan. They're going to call the whoever for a loan. Because you need a roof over your head for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I think private lending is a good investment for myself. And the fact that I have just right now in my life, it covers everything, all my expenses it won't forever because I, I, you know, I, I think maybe one day I'll have a family or something like that. Things are going to drastically change if that does happen. Uh, and then I just have other goals and stuff that I want to get to. So yeah, I, I look at it as an income for sure mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. Yeah. If that, yeah. uh, that yeah. makes sense. But do I think of it as like a net worth thing? Um, yeah, that's, that's that, I don't know. I gotta think about that Yeah, because <laughs> there's no real hard asset behind it that I personally can just like go out and sell. Yeah. But if I need to liquidate everything, then yeah, I'd have the cash and, could put it somewhere else right on. I'm having but. ADHD you now oh you want to wrap this up yep <laughs> <laughs>
2: all right anyways I think
1: that we should have Jacob on more I feel like people are want to listen to it.
0: yeah
2: don't
1: uh, don't you have a podcast that people could listen to
2: I do so yeah where have, can people find you yeah yeah so I run it's I wouldn't even call it a podcast it's kind of short form content uh it's called REI hot seat which is real estate investor hot seat um so what we do is um I do it with my brother-in-law Andrew Hines who runs his own podcast Andrew Hines investing real estate investing podcast mm-hmm. um And so we sit down and we find a property. We bring in a property. I'll review it quickly. Andrew will review it quickly. And then we sit down and we basically bring up a spread chart. So it's very analytical. Like you got to be a numbers person to enjoy it. It's niche. (laughs) Um, But we sit there and we do 15, 20 minutes, 25 minutes at the most of deal review. So let's look at the deal high level, right? Location, asset itself, condition. And then we say, who is this for? And then we look at, um, is this a good investment, right? Yeah. And how would we buy it? Or how should somebody buy it? I Whether that's like a vendor take back mortgage, mm. maybe CMHC, maybe yeah, private yeah. bridge. And is it all whatnot.
1: commercial?
2: Uh, this show's all commercial, yeah. So we've done development sites. We we'll do. We did, We did. recently did like a storage facility. Um, we do apartment buildings, gas stations. Cool.
1: So cool. So yeah. REI hot seat is mm-hmm. where to listen to that.
2: Yeah, and that's on YouTube and all the podcast channels.
1: Very cool. Um,
0: and if someone wants to use you as a commercial realtor. Yeah. How can they find you? Yeah. So
2: um, I'll give you guys a link.
1: We'll put a link below. Yep, link so you guys will have
2: a link below. Um, His
1: last name isn't as easy as to spell as Hicks.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. So if anybody wants to go to the link, they want to get in contact, go to the link, sign up. Um, I will have one of my team members reach out. Yeah. From there, they'll basically ask the W's, the who, what, where, when, right. why. Um, at that point, I personally get on a call with anybody who comes in. Yeah. And we're going to go through the whole plan.
1: My office is also literally next door to Jacob's. So feel free to D- DM the podcast. And if it has anything yeah, to do with commercial, yeah. anything to do with commercial, it goes to Jacob anyways. Um,
2: yep. And we can go through it together. Yeah. Excellent. Exciting. All right, cool. Very
1: good. I think that was that was so educational for me too. Never yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah. Like, never mind. I'm going to put this up as like, this is... Some- Learning episode. Like yeah. Listen. Listen. Listen, yeah, listen yeah. to this
0: one. You might have to pause um, it and look up some terms, but <laughs> yeah. that's good. No, I know we
2: we we, we ran over some that. stuff quick. Yeah. We yeah. We no, that
1: was that, so, that was yeah, really.
2: No. We'll do we'll do we'll do another one where we can talk terminology and, and yeah. slow yeah. it down a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah. All right, anyways, guys, Sweet. thanks so much for tuning
0: into this episode. Please like and subscribe if you're on YouTube. If you're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. That's one of our goals this year is to get some more reviews there. Uh, short form, you know where to find us. And if you want to book a call for residential stuff there's a link down below for our calendar for us and Brooke. It's totally free. It's half an hour. We'll go over any of your real estate goals coming up for 2024. And we've been working with some people in the podcast. It's been going great so far. So yeah, we we definitely want to keep that train rolling and uh, help you guys kind of achieve your goals. If you're not in our area too, we can recommend an agent who is like-minded to us in your area too. So yeah, book that call down below and we look forward to speaking with you.
1: Thanks guys. See you next week. Thank you. Thanks for coming on Jacob. Excellent. See you. All
0: right. Take care.